0: I want to invite you to join me in the Bible reading this morning from Acts chapter 11. We'll be reading verses 19 through 30. This is a continuation of a new series we started last Sunday called Becoming a Transformational Church. We're studying the early church in the first century of Antioch of Syria. It's about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And we will see today... How God used one individual, a man named Barnabas, to be a major part of the spread of the gospel through the Roman Empire. It's just amazing how we see the story unfold. So, let's dive into the Word of God this morning. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen, one of the early deacons of the church, was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch spreading the word of God only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also. These were the Gentiles. Telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. This is Antioch of Syria. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them, remember that word, encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, Barnabas was, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Saul would become Paul, as you know. And when he found Saul, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples are first called Christians at Antioch. And verse 27, During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and Through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This would be the Jerusalem church. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer, and God's people said, Amen. We're studying about Barnabas today and his influence on the early church, and we will see how he was an encourager not only to Saul, but to many there in Antioch in this fledgling church. It's a reminder of how the Holy Spirit works in, among, and through us and gives us the gift to be encouragers to one another and to others that we encounter, whom we encounter. I want to reflect this morning as we begin on my dad, who was um, always an encourager to me and still is, in fact, as I go through ministry and as I uh, try to be a good dad as well, a good husband. Uh, During the course of my life, he's been a source of inspiration and uh, always never giving up always encouraging me along the way he had um, a, a lot of tough times when he was growing up he went to college to study to come back and then work in the family business but as, uh, as he would say if he were right here he said I had too much fun and I flunked out and he moved back home lived with his parents and worked at the family hardware store Well, he was drafted into the Army during the Vietnam era and was stationed in Fort Bliss, Texas, in El Paso. And not long after he was stationed there, he came home and he had been dating my mom. They got married, moved to Texas with my dad, and then shortly before he was discharged, when I was just old enough to fly, they moved back to Philadelphia. My mom and I flew on a jet and my dad drove their little convertible with no air conditioning, over 2,000 miles all the way back, nonstop, and somehow kept Chacho the parakeet alive. (laughs) He still tells that story. I don't know how he did it, but he did. Chacho made it. Well, he worked for his dad for a while, but then he decided to leave the family business and go out on his own and got a job and that took him south where my brother and I were mostly raised. Unfortunately, my mom and dad divorced after about 10 years of marriage. Both ended up getting remarried. And then my dad's second marriage after about 9 or 10 years didn't work out either. He really tried to stay with it, and it just didn't work. Another setback. In the meantime, my dad had gotten tired of the stress and the busyness of the job that he had so he decided to start his own business it was a landscaping company and he did that really well my brother and I would work for him in the summer and then when he was 49 years old this is so encouraging to me when he was 49 years old he said I don't know that I want to keep doing this and I don't have any reason to stay in Florida So he enrolled in community college after taking a career assessment test, and the career assessment test gave him some opportunities, and one of them that was high was to become an optician, and so that's what he did, and he got his two-year associate's degree to become an optician, got hired by Walmart and worked in their optical department, and then moved back to South Carolina to be closer to his family. And there, my brother's wife introduced him to Phyllis, the love of his life, and they've been married over 20 years. He's now retired and they live down in South Carolina. But he faced a lot of adversity and still has some battles with depression, and he and I talk about that a lot. But he always encourages me never give up, Bob. I'm proud of you, son. And he, from his mom, always tells me, and don't ever worry, it'll all come out in the wash. We all need encouragement. I want to be an encourager to my family and to others. You never know the part we might play in the bigger picture of someone's life. And that's what Barnabas did. We hear a lot about the Apostle Paul, but we do not hear as much about Barnabas. Luke first mentions him in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. He was from the island of Cyprus, Jewish, from a priestly family called a Levite. Those were the people, the families who served God in the sanctuary and kept things up in worship. Probably in Cyprus, his family was into business because Luke tells us that Barnabas sold a piece of land and gave the money to the feet of the apostles to help the church in Jerusalem. But his name means son of encouragement. God used this man to encourage the church in Jerusalem, in Antioch, and also encouraged the Apostle Paul in his early ministry. He ended up in accompanying Paul in his first missionary journey and was responsible for helping to plant churches and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the Roman Empire. When you study the book of Acts, it would not be the same had God not called Barnabas to come alongside of the Apostle Paul. His given name was Joseph... But the believers in the early church at Jerusalem changed his name to Barnabas. Bar-navas. Son, and the word navas in the Hebrew comes from the same word that means prophet. His name appears more than 25 times, about 25 times in the book of Acts and four times in Paul's letters. The Holy Spirit was indeed at work through this humble man. When you think about his name, it's likened to the name that Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said in John 14, 26, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. The word parakletos, which is found in John 14, 26, describes the Holy Spirit. It's translated counselor, comforter, helper, advocate. Sometimes it's with the English letters paraclete. The Greek word for Barnabas is paralacesos, which is very similar, just different endings on the same root word. Both have to do with believing in encouragement. The early Christians described Barnabas and the Holy Spirit by the same root word. They knew of the indispensable power that occurs when one person believes in another and encourages them. Barnabas was filled by the Holy Spirit. That means that he was a believer. When you and I accept Jesus Christ, immediately you are filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no separate filling or baptism of the Holy Spirit later. You are immediately filled with the Holy Spirit and given the power to do the work of God. Immediately. That's manifested in different ways, as you heard Kate say, with the different kinds of gifts that we have. But... That is what Barnabas was experiencing. The fullness and the overflow of the Holy Spirit. There was no mantra or chant or script for Barnabas to memorize that would guarantee a Spirit-filled life. He was just filled with the Spirit. People saw it. They gave him the name Barnabas. There was visible fruit of having faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Jesus reminds us of this fruit when He said, Another translation says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We are known by our fruit. Barnabas was known by his fruit. Over the next several weeks, we're studying this church at Antioch and how it was transforming the region around it. We're looking at it as a model for us to be a transformational church as we continue to do the work of God, the mission of God. We are the mission of God as a church. A transformational church, as we said last Sunday, is one where people become more and more like Jesus, to be clothed in Jesus Christ. And that churches become more and more like the body of Christ that we see in the scriptures, the way that the body's all working together, all the members are cooperating together and that the communities around transformational churches become more and more reflective of the kingdom of God. There is change, and you can attribute it to the work of the Holy Spirit from the church in that community. On earth, as it is in heaven, is what Jesus would say. In Antioch, there was visible evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in the believers, in the church, and in the surrounding communities. That's one of the reasons why people gave the name Christian to the Christ followers, as we said last Sunday. It was a derogatory term, those Christians. It was not a term of endearment, but it stuck. And we are known as Christians today because of what happened in Antioch back then. That's in verse 26 of chapter 11. As a result of that persecution that had come in Jerusalem to those believers, they were scattered and they began to do the work of the gospel in Antioch among the Gentiles. Many Gentiles came to faith in Jesus Christ and the church was just exploding. Word had come back to the leaders in Jerusalem and the leaders in Jerusalem says, we need to check this out. Is this thing for real? It might be like us sending a delegation to another church that's really growing in our area, wondering, what are they doing over there? Do you think they're the real deal? Can we learn something from them? So that's what they did, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Barnabas, go up there and see what's happening and bring us a report back. They might be growing a little faster than we are, and we don't really like that, so let us know what you find out. And when Barnabas got there, it was quite the contrary. The church was just on fire for the Holy Spirit, and people were coming to Christ. And Barnabas says to himself, if I were, if I can imagine, he says, I'm a businessman. I'm not a teacher. I didn't go to rabbinical school. I need some help discipling these people. I mean, I can minister and care for them, but I need somebody who can organize teaching and help these people come together and and be discipled and 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 really grow and he said I know just the person Saul so he Barnabas did went back to Tarsus where Saul had gone and it wouldn't be hard to to find a man like Saul there in his hometown and he told Saul what was happening in Antioch Saul you you just wouldn't believe the work of the Holy Spirit there you got to come back with me I need your help to teach these folks and Saul said sign me up So the two of them go back to Antioch of Syria, and the scripture says that they spent a year discipling the believers there, and all kinds of good fruit came about from it. Eventually, Saul of Tarsus would change his own name to Paul, a name that signified the change of his own life, his old life, to his new life. Paul was a Gentile name, and that signified that God would use him to be a minister to the Gentiles. And it signified the essential point that Christianity was a faith open to all, not limited to Jewish believers, but to all people. What if Barnabas had never embraced Saul after Saul's conversion? If you read the conversion story of Saul, and then you look in the first part of Galatians, you'll know that there was a time that after Saul was converted, that he went to Arabia. Some scholars say it was a part of three years. So he steps out and he's by himself in the wilderness. That was his wilderness experience. And then he comes back and he wants to go to Jerusalem among the apostles. And he was a former persecutor of Christians. And so you can imagine that they kind of stepped back and were very skeptical about this man. Well, Barnabas, a leader in the church who got to know Saul, vouched for his character and his conversion because of the fruit that he saw in Saul and helped the apostles to accept Saul. There was some persecution that happened later, and Saul went back to his hometown of Tarsus. This is where Barnabas finds him and says, Come with me to Antioch. And he did. And we see the church growing. We, we can imagine what it would be like if Barnabas had not taken those steps to bring him back. This goes to show us that for Saul to truly experience spiritual transformation, for Saul to fully become Paul, he needed an encourager. That encourager was Barnabas, who was filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I say that we need Barnabas's too, and we need to be Barnabas to others. I want to look at some of the aspects of being spirit-filled, as was Barnabas, And not a formula or a script or ten steps, but four visible results of being Spirit-filled. The first one in a Spirit-filled church is that people are under the Spirit's influence. This means that we've accepted Jesus Christ and we have yielded control of our lives to Him. That He is our guide. We are under His influence. When we come to faith in Christ we yield our lives to Him, and we are called children of God. The Apostle Paul writes of this in Romans eight fourteen and following, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. As you heard Philip say, fear not, fear not. We see that over and over again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to son and daughtership. And in him we cry, Abba, Father, Abba meaning in Aramaic, Daddy, a term of endearment. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. As believers, we receive the Holy Spirit at conversion and it is permanent, indwelling presence that lasts a lifetime. Being filled with the Spirit isn't something receiving something new, it's unleashing the influence of the one who is already at work in the core of our very being. This goes all the way back to the creation where we are created in the image of a loving God and where Ecclesiastes reminds us that God creates eternity in the hearts of all people, that we have a desire to know our maker. We are under the spiritual influence of our creator. We yield our lives to the Holy Spirit. Another aspect of being filled with the Spirit is that we see that in Spirit-filled leaders. Over your time in church, I imagine if I were to ask you to think about a person who was Spirit-filled, you could name them. You could call the influence that they had upon you and the church. Churches are filled with overflowing leaders. This is authenticity. This is a genuine spirit of a person. You just know it. You can see it by their fruit. Young people, you can smell a fake right away. You can tell when when somebody is being phony. We desire to be authentic, real, genuine people of God. And that just overflows. Two examples of that. One, not long after we moved to Richmond, we bought an old Cape Cod in the Willow Lawn area, and Melanie and I decided to redo the kitchen. I'm not a, you know, handy person, so I don't recommend that if you're not a handy person, but we did it. And we get into the kitchen, and the, the, the kitchen had formica laminate all over the walls and we started ripping that ugly laminate off, and beneath it we found beautiful subway ceramic tile. That black and white kind that you saw in houses built back in the 40s and 50s. And we were just like overwhelmed. Wow! Real ceramic tile, backsplash. We don't have to pay for that. You you know, it was underneath the veneer, you see. So we, we Christians don't want to be superficial people living behind a veneer. We, we want to be authentic and genuine, spirit-filled people. Another example is what C.S. Lewis says. Um, he writes of spirit-filled people this way. When new life that spreads throughout our system, where God is at work in the right parts of us, it's the difference between paint, which is merely laid on the surface, and Stain which soaks right through. You can scrape paint off a board with a putty knife, but you can't scrape off stain. It permeates down into the grain of the wood, it becomes part of the wood. It is this genuine, spirit filled environment that existed in the fledgling church of Antioch. You did not see believers that were superficial, laminate, that just a coat of paint, but rather you saw it was like staining the wood into the grain the real deal, spirit-filled leaders, and that helped grow that church. Third aspect, there's evidence of spiritual fruit which we've talked a lot about and supernatural ministry results. Is This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is not our own work. Sometimes we in ministry can look at programs or what the other church is doing down the road or the, the, the latest and best steps to whatever the end result is. But if the Holy Spirit is not in it, and if it doesn't have to do with fasting and prayer, like you see here in the Antioch church, then it is of man and not of God. And that is why we as a people must pray fervently and engage in fasting over seasons of time to seek the will of God as we follow His will for the future. There's evidence of spiritual fruit In the church at Antioch, and supernatural ministry results. People were being transformed into new creations. Paul writes of this in 2 Corinthians. The old is gone, the new is come. Jesus says we are known by our fruits. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. Jesus residing in each Christian as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is your and my source for spiritual fruit. Character formation is the evidence of the Spirit's filling. It's the overflow. And whether we know it or not, other people are indeed watching us. Children are watching us, adults. How we behave, how we act, how we talk to others, how we relate to our neighbor. They will know us by our fruit. If you're familiar with country music, there's a singer named Rodney Adkins, and he writes, Authenticity is everything to me. It's being honest, it's being real, not being afraid to reveal that piece of you. It's about being willing to put it out there, and he, he has written this song called Watching You. It's about his son Elijah, who is now a teenager, but back when he was little, Atkins learned that Elijah was singing his songs at school and apparently the teacher must have reported that there were some salty words coming from his son. He was singing his daddy's songs and in his testimony he said that hit him like a brick wall. The song has Rodney Driving down the road, and Elijah's sitting in the car eating a Happy Meal. All of a sudden, Rodney has to slam on the brakes because of traffic, and the Happy Meal goes flying all over, and little Elijah utters a four letter word. And Rodney says, Elijah, where'd you learn to talk like that? And Elijah said, I've been watching you, Dad. There is redemption later. Rodney goes in the barn to pray for God to help and Elijah in a distance sees his daddy praying and that night at bedtime Elijah got down on his knees for prayers and he spoke to God like God was his best friend and his dad said son where'd you learn to pray like that and he said I've been watching you dad. Ain't that cool, Dad? I'm your buckaroo. I want to be like you. I want to do everything you do because I've been watching you. Christians, folks are watching us. And we, by the grace of God, we make a lot of mistakes. We fall so short. I fall so short. But I know that because of God's grace that I can begin a new day tomorrow, the clean slate, and I can try to bear good Spiritual fruit out of the overflow in my life. Transformational churches have spirit filled members who live under the God, grace of God who produce spiritual fruit. And supernatural ministry happens in churches that are filled with the Spirit. Not things like bigger attendance and more buildings and bigger budgets and more programs, but things like life change, recovery from addictions, marriages that are healed when people pray for one another on the spot instead of, well, I'll be praying with you, and when a church gives a tithe of its budget for mission causes like this church does, when they can make major decisions without ending up in a conflict, and when people give out of abundance, these are some of the signs of the overflow of the Holy Spirit in a church that is transforming. And the last thing, this is very quick, in spirit-filled churches, people approach worship with holy expectation. When we come to church, we expect God to do something. We expect to experience God. And we expect to experience God as we leave this place. When you look back at the first part of chapter 13, hear these words. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and, and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian... Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit, right in the middle of a worship service, while they were worshiping, the Holy Spirit said, this is inaudible, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off right in the middle of a worship service. The Holy Spirit speaks and says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. They laid hands on them. They sent them off and immediately they went on the first missionary journey that's recorded in Acts chapter 13 and 14 and things would never be the same again. People in expect. God to show up. And I pray that in churches today that we would expect God to show up. I'm reminded of what William Carey, known as the father of modern missions, said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. May it be so as we seek to be a transformational church in this community and to the ends of the earth. Let us pray. Thank you so much, God, for an example such as this that we can learn from the ancients how to be the presence of Christ in this world today. Help us to bear good fruit. And when we fall short, give us the grace that we need to move on. Help us. To help others become more and more like Jesus. That this church might be more reflective of the body of Christ. And the communities around us will be more reflective of on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.